Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast for film fans by film fans. Every episode, we look at films old and new to choose what should be preserved for all time in our movie vault. With lively topics, big questions, and crazy challenges to entertain us and our guests, we always look to have fun by giving you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching, even if there are some duds along the way. But don't just take my word for it. Here's a preview of what to expect in today's episode. It's when he's told the, the girl to kneel, and then they go back to his flat, and she's like, bro, what the f***? Like, why have you done this? Why, why, like, why is that acceptable? And then he just kneels in front of her. You're like, I don't understand how this is a solution to any of your problems. And any time they have any distinct problem, they just cut to a shit sex scene. Like, it's not... They deal with all of their problems through sex, but they don't even do it well. It's really disappointing on so many levels. All right, Mr. Demille, I'm ready for my close-up. Are you not entertained? I am your father. Wait! Got you! Turn around! Here's Johnny. I'll be back. It's not the best. 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 It's not and the movies worth watching. I'm your host, David Osger, and I am joined as ever by my friend who, because of this podcast, is probably becoming a connoisseur of bad movies. It is Craig McDonald. Hello, Craig. Just just stop. Why are we doing this? <laughs> like, how have you actually got me in this situation that we're having to do this? <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't me. So for those who listen to our Christmas episode, they'll know how we got got here but uh we will be discussing that later just to say from the top we must preface that this will be a more explicit episode because it's very hard to talk about these films without being a bit explicit so there will be mention of adult content there might be a few uh you know f-bombs dropped here and there but what else would you expect when you're talking about this franchise but also let me just kick it off for you right now (laughs) fuck (laughs) Just get it out of the way, you know. <laughs> Appropriately, after, you know, Craig is very angrily ranted by there. Uh, this is also our Valentine special, which is very fitting because these films that we are discussing often come out at Valentine's Day, which is very weird. I am very concerned about anybody who went to go watch these films for Valentine's as a genuine romantic gesture. <laughs> but again, all of that we'll get on to later. First of all, we'll go to the orchestrator of our doom. So for anybody who doesn't know, on our festive endgame special, we were challenged by whoever won that game uh, to give us a film that we had to dedicate an entire episode to. And, oh, we got given a corker. We got given Fifty Shades Freed by, of course, none other than Lucy Fur. So, hello, Lucy. Welcome back to the show. Hiya. <laughs> so, yeah, a massive thank you <laughs> for letting us endure this. I know outside of this franchise... Obviously, you've been busy starting up streaming and everything again. Uh, yesterday, you sort of said goodbye to Facebook, and you're now saying hello to to Bebo and MSN, etc. Is it? <laughs> yeah, Bebo's coming back. Isn't that weird? This this is the the journey we've gone on. I think the Halloween special you said about Facebook being a bit crap, and you know, I think you said the same on the Christmas special. So, 
So now we're at this point now. You're bringing back. I think I even saw in the comments that somebody say recommend Haber Hotel <laughs> for, for streaming. Yeah, I can't. Um, I can't go on Haber Hotel anymore because I um, I kept scamming nonces into buying me furniture and then I just blocked them. So then they'd report me. So then I got banned from Haber Hotel, which is ironic because I think the nonces should get banned really but i know me a child with the one who got banned i'm sorry is this real like is, what, is this all real no it's right like now? a virtual hotel it's not a real hotel like i wasn't in actual danger i don't mean that i meant this conversation we're bringing you on talking about your career and you're talking about scamming nonsense out of furniture it's the most lucy thing ever though when i saw it i was just like of course lucy got banned from abba hotel <laughs> of course <laughs> so you know of course they would recommend us 50 shades freed of course they would get banned from abba hotel it, you know it all links together uh so yeah thank you for joining us and uh, putting us through this today this is your first time on this show without shelly taylor so, I know, it feels weird. It does, but at the same time, if you're going to have us talking about Fifty Shades Free, there's no way we could put the two of you together on this. I don't think I'd cope. No, we, we'd, um, it, would, it would derail very quickly. Yeah. So, although, looking at Alex, I feel like she's probably also going to derail the show with me. That probably brings us on to our second guest. So, while she's never appeared on the show before, she has been referenced several times as somebody who is a fan and a friend of the show, somebody who's helped it to test out Endgames. But most importantly, and I think this is paramount above all else, she is the official designated horse friend. Please welcome to the show, Alex McCready. I feel like designated horse friend is just going to imply to more people that I'm ridiculously middle class and a Tory. So I'm glad <laughs> that you're spreading that message amongst people, not just like direct friends, but you know. You're welcome. Thank you. It's kind of fitting with lockdown, I suppose. I did see somebody the other day who was just commenting on somebody riding a horse through their street. Like, oh my God, there's somebody, you know, lockdown feels and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's something to do. And you can drink and ride, so get the excitement, (laughs) you know. And here's me thinking that Lucy's going to be the most irresponsible one on the show. Drinking and driving is uh, not condoned by this podcast. (laughs) Well, at least Alex is in a good position to enjoy this episode, given an, an amount of enjoyment that you gain from bad films. Would you like to tell the audience what your favourite film is? Oh, my favourite film is The Room. And I don't, I don't appreciate you calling it a bad film. I think it's a genuine work of art, and I'm not sure anything's ever going to top it. I think, like, there are so many beautiful intricacies of that film, and it's not bad. It's brilliant. I mean, I do love the film, but I'm not I'm not ever going to claim it's going to win an Oscar. Right. I think you, the first time you told me this, we were driving to Exeter in a cut in like in the most on the motorway. And like the amount of shock I had, I almost crashed. Um, I mean, he did keep it. He paid for it to be in cinemas for like an extra long time so that it could get Oscar uh, nominated for an Oscar. So there's potential there. Like it qualifies. Today, if you haven't seen by our title, we are discussing the Fifty Shades franchise, more specifically Fifty Shades Freed, as we mentioned before. Uh, This was the film that was challenged to us by Lucy for us to dedicate an episode to. And of course, we had to put it as our Valentine's episode, especially because Lucy has a history of being on our, you know, Valentine's special last year. So, you know, we're bringing it back again for this one. Has it been a year? Oh my god, yes. I've known you guys for a year. And 
that was it again we talked about it at halloween that was in person like oh my god like <laughs> you could meet people indoors what a bizarre time isn't it funny that i met you guys a year ago and it's been the worst year of my life I mean, we can we can also oh. say the same for you so calm down with that moral indignation <laughs> The Fifty Shades franchise is certainly an interesting one. Obviously, it spawned from, you know, the massive book series, which was like a huge hit for the author, which is E.L. James. Uh, They've been listed as some of the highest earning books and, you know, the highest earning author by Forbes. Uh, It's earned like over 95 million. And uh, apparently it was 5 million for the film rights to Fifty Shades of Grey, which after seeing the box office of some of these films... I think uh, she might have got swizzed a bit in, in that deal, actually. Uh, so it's crazy how much money these films have taken. The books obviously just became a massive part of social conversation. Everyone's saying about like, oh my God, you need to read this book. And it was like this big phenomenon. Loads of you know, different women were like really like talking about it. And then, of course, we had to get a film adaptation, which eventually came in the form of the Fifty Shades franchise, which saw Dakota Johnson and Jamie Dornan as the two leads. So uh, I'll start off with you, Lucy, as you are the one that challenged us to this film. What is your history with the Fifty Shades franchise? Uh, what, What do you think about it? What do you think about it as Valentine's movies as well? Okay, so what is the worst thing that has happened on American soil. Recently or? <laughs> Just in in living memory, what is the worst thing that's happened on American soil? I think we all know. Uh, Donald Trump? <laughs> no. Fifty Shades is Fifty Shades. <laughs> what is the second worst thing that's happened on American soil? Fifty Shades Darker? 9-11. How are those two things linked? I'm going to tell you. So in September of 2001, a really bad thing happened. It was 9-11. I remember it because I'm old enough. A lot of people don't know. It's weird. But what happened was a young man called Gerard Way was working at Cartoon Network in New York. And he saw 9-11 and was like, this is awful. I'm wasting my life. I'm going to start a band. So he went back home and he started a band. And that band was called... My Chemical Romance. My Chemical Romance was this huge emo band back in the day and they were great and I used to listen to them and I had sweepy hair like a big emo loser that I was. My Chemical Romance inspired this young woman, I don't know how young she was at the time, called Stephanie, to write fan fiction about My Chemical Romance that she then adapted into the Twilight books. And then the Twilight books got fan fictioned by E.L. James, who's a Mormon. Ooh. No, Stephanie Meyer is a Mormon. E.L. James is not a Mormon. E.L. James wrote fan fiction about Twilight and everyone like loved it and lapped it up, even though it wasn't very good. And then they were like, we're going to turn it into a real book. So she turned it into a real book, changed the names, got rid of the vampires, made him a billionaire rather than a vampire. And that's what became Fifty Shades. So... I would argue that the worst thing to come out of 9-11 was Fifty Shades of Grey. We don't usually take political stance on this show, but as far I as we go, that's, that's up thing. there. 
there's one important part of that story that, that wasn't covered, which is the ironic twist that the guy who plays Edward in Twilight, Robert Pattinson, is also in a film called Remember Me, uh, which is a film and it's like this very standard like love story. You watch it all the way through. You think like, what's going to happen at the end of this story? It's very fucking boring. And then he dies in 9-11, which I think is quite a nice circular form of events. But also just what the fuck? <laughs> I love that the whole world is just a snake eating its own tail and everything is just the same thing over and over again. But yeah, 9-11 is responsible for Fifty Shades. So yeah, Bush has a lot to answer for. Anyway, my personal relationship with these films is a few of my friends read the books and were like, oh my God, they're really good. They're really saucy. And then when they told me what was actually going on in the book, so it's like, that's just abuse. Like, that's not, if you want that, just, like, annoy your boyfriend enough till he punches you, because that's literally what that is. Like, that's not, that's not, like, consensual BDSM. That's just abuse. He's just abusing that poor girl. And they're like, no, it's, like, really hot and sexy. And it's like, you don't, know. never get into BDSM because you don't understand it. So, not that I'm, like, a BDSM aficionado. What would the word be? <laughs> I don't know. I've, like, whipped some people. You know what I mean? I've, like, <laughs> slapped someone to a bed once or twice, but never, like you know, proper, like, into the scene or whatever. But I understand, you know, consent. So when the films came out and the trailers, and I was like, this looks terrible. So me and my boyfriend, Steve, were like, we need to watch this. So we'd, like, buy a load of wine and then drink the wine and watch it. And just, we the first one, we laughed so much. I was like, we need to watch this every time one of them comes out. So we did that. And they're just my favourite terrible films because they're just, like, really badly made but with a huge budget. So it looks glossy, but then it's like, wow, the writers just phoned this in. The cinematographer doesn't care. The director was just like, yeah, just say the lines. Just say, say the lines. There we go, done. No, don't worry about emotion. No, it's fine. Just don't, no, cat, we're done. We're done. We'll save the film. It's fine. Like no one cared. No one cared on this film. Absolutely no one cared. It was just a cash grab. But I kind of love it for that. It is. It's, it's so bizarre. And and like you said, I think I once saw this by a critic referred to as a really good looking rat turd. So like you said, there's like good cinematography, you know, great, you know, production values, but it's still a rat turd. <laughs> Just ridiculously high budget soft porn. Like there's no more to it. Plot? Nah. And they throw in like what a few spicy things happening just to keep people interested so the men in the room don't fall asleep. But I do think they should have just made it a porn. They should have just like keep yeah. it exactly how it is, keep the budget as high as it is. But then when it cuts to a sex scene, actually just have sex. Like I was pissed off that like we saw Dakota Johnson's boobs, but we don't see Jamie's dick. And I really would think that like, because this film is for women, like it's marketed towards women. It's, it's meant to be for women. Why are we seeing Dakota Johnson, but not Jamie Dornan's dick? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I did think that. I was like, I suppose that would make it X-rated. But like you said, it does, the entire time you are like, this is an erotic... Well, actually, yeah, you know, genitals show up in films all the time. As, well, as long as it wasn't sense. hard, it wouldn't be, be X-rated if it wasn't hard. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not saying exactly. I wanted to see his dick hard. Although, if they'd done that, it would have been groundbreaking. <laughs> I would also excuse the bad acting uh, if I just knew it came from porn stars instead of people trying to have an actual career after this. Yes, yeah, weird actually to think that Game of Thrones has more 
dick in it <laughs> than, than Fifty Shades of Grey. And probably more realistic sex scenes. And it does come across as that because I said before the show the books are described as, you know, erotic novels. And then the films are described as drama, romance. And I'm like, well, if you're adapting an erotic novel, you know, you, you kind of just have to encapsulate it. So it is bizarre that they try and turn it into this kind of polished rat turd, like that person said. It's heightening the drama. And yeah, I think what you said, Lucy, as well, about the moral side of it, that's why I didn't expect to take away from this. Like, I avoided this for years because I was like, no, this just looks like crap. I'm not interested in it. It's just, you know, like you said, it's made for a certain type of audience. Like, oh, yeah, we want to go watch these people have sex. I'm like, there's not going to be any substance to it. But the worst bit of it was, I was like, there actually is, like, a tiny bit there, but then they just, like, wash it away every single time. And like you said, in a really morally wrong way, in which especially the first first film and i assume the first book in which i'm like this is morally culpable in a lot of ways and i was like i was not comfortable watching a lot of the stuff that happened in that and i suppose a lot of that continues throughout the other films but less highlighted because it's not so much he's going after her they are like a couple at that stage but there's a lot of questionable stuff that happens throughout which is just bizarre they deal with the majority of issues in the same way as Glee does. I think they deal with a lot of issues, but very, very badly. I think it's just like, well, we'll have a go. But it doesn't matter, like, the perspective of anyone who's actually been through these things. We're just going to attack it with full force. Yeah. So for the perspective of any of our blessed listeners who have not actually seen any of these films or read the books, the problematic elements that David is referring to is the fact that he basically gets her in, uh, into a BDSM relationship with contracts and rules, and then he continues to violate those rules of, of, of consent in several situations, including things which are not part of any BDSM relationship. Things like breaking into her house... Um, <laughs> to initiate sexual relationships. Uh, pretty sure there's a word that the law uses for things like that. Uh, and then other elements of just control, uh, even in the later films, doing things like getting really... Uh, this is this is uh, mine and Alex's uh, uh, shared friend. Uh, one of her favourite anecdotes about the, the main film we're meant to be discussing is that Christine Grey gets all pissy about the fact that uh, Anna hasn't changed her email address and storms into her place of work to confront her about this. And it's like, what? what is your deal, mate? Although I think that all pales in comparison to what we learn about what he's been doing in the second film, which is just the worst. Yeah, the worst bit with like the second one for me as well is the fact that there is that glimmer of like, oh, are they actually going into some like deep stuff here? And I, I give this franchise way too much credit because I thought the third film was going to lead to like, oh, is his like dad going to show up or something? Because at the end of Fifty Shades Darker... So for context for everyone, I had never seen any of these films, you know, any of the three. So I've literally watched them within a space of a week. So, you know, it's, I watched like Avengers and everything within a week the other day. This is a very different experience of watching this interconnected story over three days. And at the end of Fifty Shades Dark, I thought the person at the end was like his father or like a family member. No, it was just like the jealous old boss of Anastasia, which I was like, oh, right. Okay. But... I was like, oh, are they actually going to go into, like, this guy's psyche and the fact that, like, you know, why is he doing this? And no, it's just anytime that's brought up, it's just, you know, hey, want to get married? And it's like, that's the stuff which I had the biggest problem with is that that happens so much. It's just, like, the fact that they'll bring up serious 
damaging deep problems and then they just forget it with like a gesture of romance or a sex scene and i'm like that is very troubling there's also there's barely any action like there's barely any sex in it if you look at the trailers and think and just the way that it was like hyped up i think this was like a marketing like ploy but like people were talking about it like it was like oh my god this is like the like most sexy like filthiest film that's ever been made it's like there's not actually that much sex in it it's just a lot of like the first one it's like is all i remember from the first one is lots of like her at her flat which is like ridiculously sized like how rich is this girl like she's meant to be in uni and her and her mate live in this like quite large quite nice flat (laughs) and her mate is like blonde and goes off with the brother and it's like she's actually having a lot of sex and then anastasia's like yeah i'm with like the one who's into like crazy stuff and it's like you you don't do anything also isn't she a virgin before they yeah and it's really disturbing because he goes you're perfect and then like grabs her and i'm like what the hell I think no. as well, it follows the very common archetypes anyway. Like they put like promoted as this really new, like different film, but it's just the same old shit of like man who craves power um, because of his dark past. And then woman, like as long as she can just accept who he is because of all of the bad things that happened to him, their love story will work, which is literally just the same as any other boring romance film. Like there's nothing that's actually different about it. It's just the same archetype as we've seen like hundreds of times before, but with more like potentially dodgy shit in between yeah and it's the it's always the the tropes of then like they're rich and like i was watching it just like i don't care i was like you know the fact that he does say at some point he was just like this money doesn't matter to me oh i just casually bought the company oh i i I," like he has houses that he doesn't even like oh i had no reason to go there before and i'm like what about the fact that you actually bought it i was like you know it's just like so the fact that they can just casually jump in a jet and jump in a helicopter it just makes it really unengaging in that way because loads of romance films and rom-coms are like that anyway and it just shows a very sad side of humanity i think that lots of people go watch this being like oh yeah you know i'd love to have that life and it's just like that isn't healthy that doesn't look like good at all it also winds me up how hypocritical christian is uh and this is my biggest problem with the second film is that obviously we get introduced to the real villain of the 50 shades franchise which is jack hyde yeah. Uh, it's been pointed out to me that giving him a name, which is basically Jekyll and Hyde, is incredibly on the nose and ridiculous, especially considering that he doesn't have a good side. <laughs> as as... They, they don't like, understand Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. How is this written? Like it's just moronic. But then but then obviously he he basically like attacks uh, attacks Anastasia. De- uh, she defend uh, she defends herself, gets away, tells Christian what's happening. Christian's then researching this guy and listening to his backstory, and he's and being told as like, oh yeah, he's done this to like several of his assistants. He's saying like, that's awful. How could he do this? I'm just like, dude, have you not seen like the dungeon of women that you've got, where one of them tries to kill your your woman, and your response isn't to talk her down or anything in terms of trying to re- mostly reassure her. You just walk into a room, and go kneel. Like, what the hell like get off your high horse that you probably use for more acrobatic stuff like when me and steve watched that one for the first time he walks into the room and says neil and steve went wait is her name neil <laughs> <laughs> and i was like 
I was not confident enough to say yes or no. I was like, um... And then when she knelt down, I was like, oh, no, no, no. He was just telling her to kneel. I was like, I can't remember her name, but it's not Neil. And then I was like, wait, is it? It's not. We checked. Again, it was bad because I recently watched through the Avengers film. So the last time I saw somebody say it that way was Loki when he's like in Germany and he's like, I said Neil. And I'm like, is this what they're trying to make? christian gray like he's like this big egomaniac who's like you will kneel before zod you know it's like but uh, that's again that was my biggest problem is then after that scene she's obviously understandably got some very major problems but and that's what's so frustrating is and like you said alex it's the tropes and characters in this is why i hate as well is the fact that it's so dated and i think Obviously, we say at the beginning of every episode, you know, the movie's worth watching. This is not worth watching. Like, even though, again, it's been, you know, great for hilarity. And and like with yourself, Lucy, I think it's a great sort of bad watch, you know, making fun of it. But I don't think it's good for a lot of people to watch in terms of like, you know, young women or even men as well. Because it just has all the cliches. There's no women in there who are like different to the usual American stereotype that we used to get like 10, 20 years ago. And all of the men in there are pretty much seedy or bad in some way. Or if they're not, they're just kind of needy and hopeless. And yeah, it's just that nobody in this franchise at all plays like an actual realistic role. And I think that was what was so frustrating in that situation is that she keeps questioning all these things. And I'm like, well, why are you there? Like, she's like, you're controlling, you're doing this because I look like your mum. And I'm like, well, why are you with him? It's like, that was the only understandable bit of the franchise is the end of the first film where she's like, you know what? I don't want to be with this. And you're like, yeah, fair enough. But then obviously she just goes straight back to him in the second film once, he, you know, he sends us some some flowers and they have a few deep conversations. But it's just really morally questionable that she knows all of these things about him and like you said earlier lucy it's the fact that that is abuse and i I, and she almost admits that many times during this franchise but the way that it's made they could have easily made this story and put the dark spin on it like something like the invisible man and said yeah this is bad this is a horrible thing that's happening to this woman and that's why i felt i'm interested in your feelings on why you chose 50 Shades Freed, because while that is the most bizarre and stupid one, I think that the first one is the most morally apprehensible and weird and dark. Because David, that's just... not the word. Reprehensible. Reprehensible, sorry. The apprehensible most... is you trying to catch someone. Okay. Morally rep... I can't say it. What was it again? Reprehensible. reprehensible. The most morally reprehensible... It just was weird and dark and like, just like the scene, like we're in that cafe and she's like, you intimidate me. I'm like, well, why are you there? Why are you getting together with him? It's so creepy. And he's like, I can't let go of you. You have to stop doing this. When he's holding her in the road and I'm like, why are you holding her then? He's like, he's like, you've got to get away from me as he's like clutching onto it. The problem with this is if you... If you put the vampire element back in, it makes a lot more sense because, like, the edge of, like, this man might kill me. Like, that makes sense if they're a vampire. Like, that happens in Twilight where he's like, you smell really good. I want to eat you. Yeah. That makes sense because he's a vampire. It's still, like, messed up. Like, Twilight is also entirely about, like, abuse and control Mm. and, like, 
obsession and it's really like messed up. And again, in Twilight, they make the main female protagonist like a blank. You know how they do it with action films? Keanu Reeves just like, just is this blank thing because you can self-insert with it. Like that's what they've done with like Twilight with this. It's like the, the female protagonist is just this blank thing that women can like project themselves onto. So it's like, oh my God, that could be me. I could be like the girl who's being like swept up by this like charismatic billionaire, except he's not charismatic. He's just terrifying. So because they had to take the vampire element out of it because of copyright and things like that, because it was just a Twilight fan fiction, it now just makes him like a sociopath. And then they also, because of the way that she was writing the fan fiction, it was like a weekly thing where she was like adding a chapter a week and people were so like demanding. She never had chance to sort of take a step back and make it like, okay, if it was a book, where would I want this story to go? So she repeats a lot of stuff. Like, and the problem is she was so like attached to her work, which is insane. It's a fan fiction, babe, calm down. When they made it into an actual book, she demanded it be exactly how it was when it was printed online, even though the like book company and the people who they hired to make it better were like, no, you need to get rid of this chapter. You need to like combine these two chapters because it's basically the same thing. You need to like make this character do this. And then it runs as a narrative like book. She was like, no, it's perfect how it is. People like it, just sell it how it is. So it just got printed how it was printed on the internet. And then the same thing happened with the films. She had too much creative control. They went through so many directors before they actually settled on the first director because she had so many arguments with the directors, they just quit. They went through so many actors before they settled on Jamie and Dakota because she just kept arguing with them about like what they thought the characters were and what they thought the film should have been. So, like, the entirety of how bizarre and insane this whole film series is, it's just because it was one woman who just couldn't let go of her creative work. Who would have thought we'd have a parallel to P.L. Travers and the the Mary Poppins story? (laughs) But a lot of that, yeah, a lot of that makes sense. And it, it sounds completely right. And that's what I kept thinking during this is just it sounded like, especially ironic because the character is in a publishing company but the whole idea of like oh you need to make a sequel now like oh um well they get married and it's like oh a third one um uh, they have a baby like it just seemed like it was kind of just forced narrative and just conventional stuff because she's also it the books structurally parallel the twilight books which are still not that good and are quite boring in my opinion But, like, at least in the Twilight books, it's like, oh, no, there's a vampire council, and, oh, they want to do this, and now there's, like, other vampires trying to kill us. But in this, they can't have that. So you've just got, like, just no story. It's like, we're going on a holiday, and I'm going to slap you too hard this time, so now we're going to argue, and you want a baby, but I can't have a baby because my mum was a junkie. Like, it's just insane. Like, it, it completely unravels. And that's why I picked the third one, because... You can really tell by the third one, like the people making this or the the woman writing this just couldn't write a book. Like, and it just fell apart completely. So by the time they make the third film, it is really just being phoned in. And the fact she's pregnant is just hilarious. Like, you're bringing a baby into this. What are you doing? 
it is bizarre. We'll get more on to, like I said, Fifty Shades Freed later on. Uh, Alex, what was your experience with the franchise? Had you watched it before? Was this your first time? Which, which one did you find the most bizarre or reprehensible? <laughs> <laughs> the, so, like, I grew up with Twilight. Twilight was quite a big part of my, like, adolescence, I guess, because I was, I was about nine in 2008 when Twilight came out. So, like, I had... It was all throughout my childhood. And I'm quite attached, like... You ask anyone my age about Twilight and they'll be like, yeah, I love it. It's terrible, but I love it because it's something that's very like close to our hearts. It's what we grew up with. It's the Fifty Shades of Grey thing is aimed at a, the completely different generation. It's aimed at like middle-aged women. So I think my first experience of it was having read Twilight and stuff like that. And then my mum being like, oh, guess what I'm doing? Like, guess what I'm reading? And I was like, what? And she, my mum used to work in a post office and she was like, yeah, I was reading it under the desk in the post office because like, it was exciting and she was like I got about four pages in and has to stop because it was just what the fuck is this like all about anyway I was like yeah um but I've read all of the books and seen all of the films and the, the books deal with all of the issues incredibly badly the films deal with it even worse and I think it's a real shame because I think there's a huge gap in the market for this sort of thing to happen because I think a lot of women's literature is treated a lot less seriously than like traditional literature so it's things like BDSM relationships and stuff like that in the media is probably something that needs to be covered because it's a huge gap in the market but not like that which I think is a real shame and I think it's just probably firstly the way that media looks at these things anyway such as like it's not serious it's for women um but then also like we're just going to make a shit ton of money because we can play to all of these middle-aged women just by putting Jamie Dornan on screen and like with a big six-pack and then they're all going to come and watch it which is a real shame because Jamie Dornan's like a fantastic actor it was quite jarring to watch him in this be so bad. Um, but yeah, I think they're all reprehensible. I think I particularly take issue with either the second one or the last one. The first one's kind of understandable. You can kind of understand why people are doing things in the first one. In the second and third, it's just like, why are you making these decisions? Like, it's she forgives him at any point that he lets her touch his body. Like, he'll do something absolutely abhorrent. Then he'll be like, yes, but now you can touch me where I've drawn lipstick on my body. And she's like, oh, okay, sorry. Like, I get it. And then that was the other thing in the third one or the second one. I can't remember which one it was. They've all blended together. Yeah. But it's when he's told the, the girl to kneel and then they go back to his flat and she's like, bro, what the fuck? Like, why have you done this? Why, why, like, why is that acceptable? And then he just kneels in front of her. You're like... I don't understand how this is a solution to any of your problems. And any time they have any distinct problem, they just cut to a shit sex scene. Like, it's not... They deal with all of their problems through sex, but they don't even do it well. It's really disappointing on so many levels. And what I find weird as well is, like you said, about, like, relationships of that kind, it's, it was even weirder and hard to believe because... Okay, yeah, there can be situations in which somebody's like, yes, I am the dominant one in this situation. There's all that kind of stuff. But like we were talking about earlier it just seems weird that and uncomfortable we never see christian naked and it just seems weird to me that that would never be a thing because it was always like him mounting her and and it just frankly just makes for them boring sex scenes because you keep getting the same one every single time you're just like right okay and i think there's like in the last one there was that ice cream scene i was like oh wow are we actually gonna get a roll reverse oh wait no he's just gonna mount her and dry hump her again it was just like so it was weird to me that like they would be such a like emphasis on bdsm and dominance and all this kind of stuff but it was always at the expense of her it was always like her taking off her underwear in the restaurant it was always like him in the lift with her and all this kind of stuff and i just saw this is really dated and I just 
don't buy into that. And and then just the other stuff of like ironically, they they have like a really, really bad scene where she's filling the role of the publisher that's got sacked. And that one guy is just there like, we need to bring in old writers and do all the faithful people and all the people we depend on. And then she's like, no, we need new people. And they're like, amazing, well done. I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, that's just the most obvious thing to respond to ever. It's dumber than that, David. This guy's going, we need to exclusively target the old. And she goes, why not both? Yeah. She also, the publishing, when she gets that promotion, she there's this really a conversation that really stuck with me. And she's talking to the girl that used to be the Jack Hyde's assistant. And it's almost a transcript of a scene from Working Girl, which is like a really interesting film because it talks about women like being able to have a job and also be like sexually liber- liberation, all of that sort of thing. So it, it takes this transcript where she's like, no, you don't have to call me Mrs. Uh, Gray. You can just call me Anna which is, I think, exactly the same as it happens in Working Girl. And then it just goes on for her to be, she's not, it's not even like anti-feminist. She just doesn't exist even as a woman. It's very bizarre in the way that she treats being a woman. as like just nothing. Just very weird feminist discourse. Like when he says to her, like you'll get certain films in which characters will say things or they feel that way and you, you think, okay, well, I can understand why they're thinking that, but know that that's not the case. But when she says oh, you know, I I need to be my own person at work. I need to have my own name because everyone thinks I just got this job through you. And he's like, that's not true. And I'm like, but it is. And I'm like, that's the problem. There's no layers here at all. Like whenever like there's an argument made against something, I'm like, but that just simply isn't true. Like it did happen because of this. And it happened because of like really predictable means as well. And it's like, again, that's just shows really bad writing. What I also don't like is that I mean, obviously, for something like this, where you're talking about like liberation, female empowerment has got to be quite important. And I joked earlier about forgetting like Anna's name, that she really just has no autonomy in this film, except for when she's dealing with other women. That's the only time where she will literally come out and just be like, you know what? No, I'm, I'm coming out on top of you. And it's just, just, yay! You're able to like empower yourselves if it means dicking over other women. Like the scene where she's having a go at the uh, at the interior designer of the house. I'm just like, what is this? Why on earth are you being like this against her of all people? And I think the only genuine piece of female empowerment I, I like about this entire film is where a female security guard catches an intruder. Yeah. That's the only part where I'm just like, yes, go women. I was thinking that. I was just like, okay, well, at least there is a female security guard. But if she gets, like, shot or stabbed or something, it's going to be really bad. But at least she does, you know, apprehend them. <laughs> so uh, I think it's really weird that they just have those stereotypes. And also the fact that even in Twilight, there's something to say that she eventually is like, oh... I'm subservient to this man, but you could at least say, oh, well, she's become a vampire and she's become this, like, powerful person and she's, like, now got more power over other people. But it's weird that they have this film and, like, Fifty Shades Dark in which they'll say, you'll never control Christian. Many women have tried to do it before. And I'm like, well, what's the end of this narrative then that she just did? Because... The entire Fifty Shades Free doesn't really show any of that progression about, like, how will you control Christian? It's just him constantly saying about how he adores her. 
it, to the point of like being jealous of a baby, which is all kinds of fucked up. That she turns into like a really unlikable character in the process. That like like you said in that interaction with the design the designer, it's like so what we're meant to be happy that she's just become like a rich wife who can flout her power and and money around. That's you know that's not really interesting to to me or i don't think anybody apart from rich people would watch that and go oh yeah i had that interaction with my maid the other week you know it's that's i think that's like the problem the only time that she like exerts any like power is over the women and the only reason she has that power is because of her proximity to christian (laughs) yeah so like she's just borrowing some of his power Mm. And the entire film is basically just saying, like, the only way that a woman can have any power in this world is just by getting absolutely railed by a man with more power than you. And then you can use some of his power. And that is terrifying, Mm. like, as a statement, especially the fact that this is written by a woman. This is like a woman's idea. If someone told me this was written by a teenage boy, I'd be more likely to believe that. But it wasn't. This was written by a woman who's like middle-aged. And she's like, yeah, this is fine. Like, I want to know how she interacts with the world and what her relationship with men is like, because I don't think it's a positive one. I also don't think she's ever done any BDSM at all. I think she Googled it quickly before she started writing this and then was like, yeah, I get it. She doesn't. Also, I feel like we need to talk about the other supposed villain, I guess, who's basically sort of villainous force until the end of Darker, which is... Uh, is it Mrs. Robinson? Or is it a different Elena. Name? Elena, Elena yeah. Robinson. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty Cuckoo fucked Cuckoo up, Cuckoo. isn't it? Yeah. Yes, again, why do they keep brushing over these like, really like dark and messed up aspects of the characters? I mean, I don't want to be proven wrong on this. In uh, I don't really want people coming forward to me being like, well, actually, in this community, I don't know why they have that voice, I apologize. <laughs> I just don't fully know if that really is a facet of the BDSM community where people will parade off suitors like that in really creepy ways. And, like, the idea of taking virginity is just, like, absolute ownership. That just... That doesn't seem like BDSM to me. That just seems... That just seems like slavery. The whole thing, like all of the representation of BDSM. So it's blatantly said that the reason he's like this is because his mum was a drug addict and a sex worker. And now he hates her. So finds women that looks like her, beats the fuck out of them and then shags them. That's not what BDSM is, but that's never discussed at all in the books or the film it's never said like well actually and then also there's that thing of like yeah he was sexually abused by like his parents friend she was his dom and he's like okay with that and it's like no you got nonced mate like you got nonced and that's not okay and this like awful thing happened to you but that doesn't excuse that you're also an awful person now and you're just taking out your like trauma on women that look like your mum if someone said to me ever you look like my mum I would run I would run as fast as I could until I hit the ocean and then I'd start swimming like that is terrifying 
And the fact that he he has all these like boons on him. So it's almost as if again, like, oh, well, I've been abused and like I've been like damaged. So I want to do this to other people. And again, I'm like, but that doesn't seem like a thing. Some Like surely somebody would be like afraid of that even more. It's kind of like, again, it's like, because I was trying to look at what, what in the first film i was like is it like gaslighting i was like no this doesn't really fit like gaslighting when i looked at that description but the behavior they like put in on anna i'm like this is just a really weird way of like control and i'm like it's really messed up and again and the fact that then he's been abused himself it's again like we're surely like victims of abuse they're usually like quite scared of like then control and that kind of stuff of like the idea of somebody grabbing them or something like that so it seems weird to me as well that he would be into it even though he's been a victim of it himself i think there's just such a complete lack of nuance i think it's very very difficult for to portray the way that children who've been abused then react to things in the future i think it's also incredibly insensitive i think it's something that more people go through than you necessarily expect so the point which you have that in a film of like oh these children that were abused and now these really abusive and awful people is kind of offensive and i think it's probably yeah. offensive to a lot of people and it's just so badly dealt with i think it's never dealt with i think in the third book they go to therapy together but it just the therapy results in him going i'm a sadist and everyone going good one and then like they just all move on like nothing ever happens and there's no re- repercussions to Mrs. Robinson I don't think you ever see her go to prison or anyone take any action I think at the end of the third film him and his mother have like what seems to be a three minute conversation about this woman who's like in their part of their like close circle of friends who's abused him just there's no repercussions it's very very weird it's a weird way of dealing with that very sensitive and serious subject the worst that seems to happen is she gets a drink thrown in her face that's about it yeah, because the family only seems to respond in the way of like, you've like talked badly to my son and daughter-in-law. There's not really a kind of like, oh my God, I never knew this happened in, in your past kind of thing. And and the only other thing I want to mention with the characters as well is the names, because we mentioned earlier, Craig was like, what's her name again? But I'm like, Anastasia Steele is a poor name. I'm like, that, that that's not a realistic name. Christian Grey, okay, it's a bit stupid, but he, he's like a business guy. I can buy into that. We already mentioned like Jack Hyde. That's ridiculous. But then also Mrs. Robinson, every time they mentioned it, all I could think of was the song. And now I've looked up the lyrics and we're talking about what kind of person she is. It is kind of effed up if that was the thinking, because the lyrics are, here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jesus loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God bless you. Please, Mrs is robinson i'm like please don't have this like lyrics be some sort of hidden thing behind why you named this character because that would be all kinds of fucked up if you did mrs robinson it's like uh um i can't remember what the tv show was but it was a tv show in the 70s mm. and the neighbor was called mrs robinson and she was like a cougar and she ended up like having sex with this like 18 year old son so it's like this common like people call like older women who like younger men like a mrs robinson it's like a trope yeah that's true but it's the most on the nose use of that term i've ever seen to actually call that character mrs robinson when she's not just like a cougar who likes like oh i enjoy the company of younger men she's a pedophile (laughs) she's a fucking pedophile and it's like oh she's just like a sassy cougar it's like no she's an abuser and a pedophile the whole thing of oh i was sexually abused so now i'm into BDSM and like, you know, spanking people who look like my mum. Like, if you extrapolate that out, it goes into this very like common trope that I hate of like 
you'd see it a lot on like I, I watch a lot of like SVU and things like that, like um, crime procedurals, where it's like a personal be a paedophile and then it turns out they were also sexually abused and that's why and it's like that's actually very 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 uncommon people who were sexually abused are the least likely to end up going on to being sexual abusers themselves because it's more likely that they end up completely asexual and just hating sex completely but then it's also very likely that they'll just have a normal relationship with sex like it's just this bizarre thought process of like, oh, you were nonced on, you're probably going to be a nonce now. That's just not how it works. Yeah. And it's it, really reductive and it's really dangerous because it makes people very untrusting of abuse survivors. Yeah. I think that brings us on to like Fifty Shades Freed though, because there's so much problems with the franchise. And and again, that's where I was like, oh, I'm giving this franchise too much credit because there's so many times in which they're like, oh, well, uh, you'll never be able to tame him. And, you know, he's got all these problems. And obviously, like they said, there is always the element of the female character, like, oh, I can change him and all that kind of stuff. But there's not even that because the film itself, then the final film is just like, oh, lol, we're just going to focus on some guy who's trying to get revenge. And so it has nothing even to do with the dramatic stuff that they've set up. And it's not even then about like, oh, do you know what? This might be like a reflection of some really dark stuff in your childhood. Maybe we shouldn't do it anymore. No, it literally ends with them being like, yeah, we're still doing this. And it's like that that's kind of screwed up. Good morning, wife. Good morning, husband. Don't ask me. This is great. Look out your window. What you know is true. I'm taking you away for the weekend. I just can't believe this is my life that I get to live with you. Oh, I love your precious heart. Anna Gray's office. I'll pick you up a five. I might not be done by then. Can I drag? No. It's beautiful. I bought it for us. I love it. Christian, this location is perfect. I'm going to build you a fabulous house. Please stop speaking to my husband as if I weren't here. Anna. (laughs) You may call me Mrs. Gray. I I should misbehave more often. We're being followed. Jack, what do you want? So you want to play? Yes, sir. I swear to keep you safe, and I will. You can't keep me in a cage. I made a vow to love you faithfully, forsaking all others. Did you sleep with her? And to comfort you in times of need, for as long as we both shall live. Why do you defy me? Because I can. It made me realize there's basically a structure to the last two films that irritates me. It's basically weak conflict, sex, 
no resolution, rinse and repeat several times. To the point that I actually decided, because I was getting bored with how little development there was and how little actual like tension and drama and stakes there was, I actually decided to time code all of the sex scenes. So if that's what generally people care about, I can tell you when they are and roughly what they are. So four minutes in, uh, we get a little bit of a, a little bit of under the sheets frosting. Uh, you know, they're on honeymoon. That's what they do. Uh, nine minutes in, uh, that's when things happen on the boat. Uh, then we have uh, 28 minutes, a very brief thing. Then again at 30 minutes. Uh, then there's an attempted scene at 40 minutes. Then at 42, 46. Uh, then at 50, 28. 50, uh, 51, 57. Then we have the next one is uh, an hour and a minute. And finally, the finale, which is just the scene of her in the corset, uh, basically ready for something to happen and then finish. Which they put in the trailer. Which is like, what? <laughs> the final shot of the film. Though. If you're watching these fil films, especially Freed, looking for just like, ooh, I wonder what's involved in BDSM, you're going to be very bored by these films because all you're going to think is just like, oh, it's just some extravagant forms of tying up and nothing else. Maybe the occasional spank. Who knows? So for God's sake. For a franchise that's meant to be based towards women and about like women, I think, and what women's pleasure, it really is all about him and all about like what he wants from like a sexual relationship, which is bizarre. Like, I don't know, understand this, why I as a woman should care about that. Just very weird. Also, the, the car sex scene, they go through like this dramatic car chase and then they're oh. like, you know what this calls for? Another shag. Yeah. And that, again, is really demeaning to the fact that's like oh she's like you know pimped up from this so she's like immediately mount him and it's like that's really not a good view on her as a character and yeah just the fact that yeah you'd think it'd be about like certain passions or intrigue and stuff but it's not it's just really generic stuff and the bit that makes me laugh about these sex scenes and this is throughout all of the films is i don't know about you guys but it just felt to me like kind of like is almost like music videos or like when you're watching like or when you're playing a game and then it's like oh this is the cutscene this is the boss fight it's as if the normal story's happening and then it just like goes into this like other sketch or this other part of the film and you just get this like generic like song playing over the top this music which is sometimes questionable sometimes stupid in 50 shades darker they played the song bomb biddy bomb over a spanking scene which i was just like this is ridiculous uh and then you get like a song like pray like when she's got that like clamp on her legs and i'm like right we get it but this last film is like the worst one for stuff like that because like i mentioned earlier they'll have like actual issues will come up so when they're on the the jet with their friends and what is it they mention at that moment is it like kids come up again or something like that and they're like oh don't you want kids and um, he's like, don't you roll your eyes at me? And then it goes to them having sex, like, after they've been on the plane. And I'm like, what the hell? Stop, like, avoiding these, like, serious questions. So when she's pregnant, I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised because you just keep... He even says it himself, you know, or, like, she might say it, like, you know, the amount we have sex, are you really surprised? I'm like, well, yeah, because you also just keep distracting yourself on these serious conversations with these ridiculous set pieces as well. It's not even casual sex. It's just, like, ridiculous, like her just like lay down moaning like when he's just dry humping her and it's just it's just stupid i think it's also morally reprehensible they have a song in that in that film which is called bad boys bring heaven to you 
no, no, no. Let's not promote this, shall we? <laughs> Let's not at the end of this entire saga go, that's right, ladies, if you want this amount of sexual pleasure and emotional turmoil, get yourself a dickhead of a boyfriend. <laughs> I think that's the whole narrative it does. It's like, oh, like her job is to fix him. It's like what she's there for is to open up his like vulnerable side. And it's a narrative that's really unhealthy to feed to young girls because it's a narrative that exists within society anyway. So it's that... that the, the point you're then pushing like oh young girls need to like heal their boyfriends and as long as she can get him to open up everything will be okay like women we're not therapists for broken men that's not the point of being in a relationship it's just very unhealthy but again yeah they don't confront the issues it's just disturbing that then they don't go you know maybe we should stop doing this or maybe we should like think about how we could change your behavior and you know again it's like in the first film it's almost like they're facilitating it by having like this contract and that kind of stuff but then he just gets around it by being, well, I just need you. And and you're like, well, what, what's so special about her? What's so different? And in the later films, then again, he's, she was like, you were like following me and spying on me. That's like really disturbing. But it's like, oh, well, you know, we'll just have like another sex scene to just like avoid that. But but I think in this film as well, it does seem like she's just lost all her, like what did make her like a unique character. Because in the first film, she very much is a cliche, the kind of like, oh, I'm tripped into the office and like I'm really nervous and shy and like a little bookworm and stuff like that. But then by the end, it's a bit sad that especially we were talking about the cars. She's like racing around in that Audi going, sure beats Wanda. And I'm like, that's not a nice thing though. Like that, like you liked the car and it was like an old car and that was a part of your character. And now you've just gone like, this is better than that. And I'm like, well, why is this a good thing? You've like lost your personality. You've lost something like, which is a novelty. Which is really, really, if, they had, like, if they had addressed that and um, maybe like had people from her old life sort of speak to her and be like, you're like a different person now and I don't like yeah. the person you've become, then it could have been, I think, like, there's potential for this to be the fact that, like, she's a virgin and then the first relationship she has is with this guy who's like, yes, I am into BDSM and that's what this is. They could have had it then. She meets someone, like, she's just having, like, a girly chat with the girls and she's like, oh, my God, you know, like, when you're with a guy and then, like, he just, like, kicks the shit at you and they're like, wait, what? And she's yeah. like, oh, I thought that's just what sex was. And it's like, no, hun, no, like, you need to leave. And they could have had, like, moments like that where it's, like, addresses the fact that this isn't right and this isn't normal. But they just don't. It's just well, like, yeah, no, she's got everything she wants and now she can just be horrible to all the women around her. Cool. Like, that's her life now. What, don't you want this, women? Like, that's what this film is. It's like, don't you wish you could just be horrible to all the women around you whilst this attractive man just, like, gaslights and beats you? Well, what do you think about the name as well? Because my intent, again, I like I was giving this franchise too much credit, but I was like, why is it called Fifty Shades Freed? Because again, from the start of it, I felt like the first film, it was like really dodgy how he was like, oh, you're a virgin, you're not useless, don't worry, I'll ease you in gently and I'll like do romantic like sex with you and I'll do it in your bedroom and I'll do it in like subtle ways so then I can eventually lead you to the like the dirty danger room sort of stuff, which I'm like, right, well, that's a bit questionable and like really dodgy. So then none of that gets addressed later. And But why is it called Fifty Shades Freed? It's not about escaping from like a restrained relationship or anything like that. What What is the freedom? I don't even understand. Is it just that he's now, is it just literally just the end of when she's like, oh, um, you can get closure on your mum because we found a grave. And it's like, what? <laughs> 
I I honestly had to watch the ending of this film twice because I couldn't believe how badly it. I was like, I woke up this morning. I was like, did it actually just end like that? And I just watched it back. I was like, it does. It just ends like nothing. Like just the Hunger Games kind of like just we have a baby now. So, okay. <laughs> I think it's just because it's how the book goes. I think the book goes into slightly more depth about like what his backstory is. And I think it's that whole thing of like, now he doesn't have to deal with this like wanting to beat women every day sort of thing in his life. But that's not saying the book deals with it well. Also, that deals with it terribly. But I think it's just that thing of like, now he's liberated and he doesn't have to live with the fact that he now wants to beat every brown haired woman that he sees. And uh, what do you guys think of the the whole Jack Hyde subplot in this, the whole kidnapping scenario? I had to laugh. I put in my notes, does he think he's Iron Man? I felt like, you know, Christian Grey was driving around with the car being like, what's the, where, where is he? And then you get a voiceover like they're in the car behind you. It's an unregistered plate and all this. And I was like, he's not James Bond. And then the fact that, it, yeah, it was just weird that, the film turned into this kind of like mystery and and even in that trailer where they were like oh no he's got a knife to her neck and all this kind of stuff it's like oh is it sexual is it actually a dangerous situation we don't know and it's it's just weird how it turns into that i i just don't understand why they thought rita aura rita aura yeah yeah so rita aura and this is one of the most shocking things you're going to hear all day she's not black She's a white woman. What the frigging frig? Rita Ora is a white woman. And she's just let everyone for years think that she's not a white woman. Rita Ora is a frigging liar. Do you know what's weird in the kidnap situation as well is when he says they're like he's like i've got my and she's like oh how do i know and he sends a photo and it's like the most glossy like magazine cover photo she's there like gagged i'm like is this the front of vogue or something i'm like come on what the hell it's like the- i know we just mentioned about how good her phone was but it's just a ridiculous hostage image to have <laughs> ridiculous part of that situation is that she goes into that bank and she's like i need what five million right away (laughs) and like i worked in a post office for a long time if someone came to that we pressed the panic button that they constructed (laughs) us to like under the counter i'm unsure as to why the banker was like we'll just phone your husband it'll be fine yeah like this woman comes in crying and says five million quid right now we think ah well we need to phone her husband rather than like the police yeah, especially when she says, I need to use your emergency exit. Like, oh, yeah, nothing is weird about this at all. <laughs> like, in the end, his fundamental reason for doing all of this it has nothing to do with the fact that he's just he's just an absolute dick. It has nothing to do with the fact that he got that he basically did shit to women for years and finally got called out on it. Granted, in really, you know, inappropriate ways. And he just wants revenge for that. I think he'd be, what he's doing is over t- over the top for that sort of revenge, right? Like, he's doing it because he was an orphan's child like Christian. And the rich family that adopted Christ- uh, Christian could have adopted him instead. And he blames him for that. Get over it, mate. Like, it, it wasn't like there was only one child ever adopted from that orphanage and you just happened to miss the cut, right? Loads of people want to adopt. Like, Get over yourself, for God's sake. Like, I'm really sorry that you didn't get loads and loads of money as a child, but you could have had some loving parents. What did you do? You decided to screw it up. I don't know what happened to your life, but it certainly doesn't justify what you're doing, especially considering you got to a position of power and you go like, great, this is really cool. I'm going to make some people's lives hell. 
What is wrong with you, you absolute jerk? He actually says, I could have been Christian Grey. And it's just like, as as if he thinks that like just being adopted by them would have meant he would have gone through the same career path of being like, yeah, uh, I would have uh, also become a billionaire and had this big successful company, which I, I still don't know by the end what that company does at all. Apparently they can just buy a publishing company whenever they want. Mate, he should watch Yu-Gi-Oh! That's a great story about how be how being an orphan adopted by a rich family doesn't always turn out good for your sense of psyche. Like, come on. The company, what it does. I, I know this because I've read all of the books. I hate the fact that I know the canon of like what actually goes on in these films. <laughs> it's like it's but it's part of, like in the books it's important because it's him being immoral again it's like they buy up struggling companies and fix them and sell them on again so what he does is like take people's jobs away from them by buying companies oh kind of what he's expecting anna to do to him yeah kind of considering that his parents are so rich why did no one get this child therapy like that kid should have been in extensive therapy really strange questionable stuff that happens throughout this and like i said especially with the jack hyde character and then christian it it's it's very weird very bizarre set of films so thank you for the challenge uh, lucy we i i'd like to say we enjoyed it but uh but uh, i i don't think that's why you set us <laughs> set us the film i suppose no we don't recommend this uh we will go to our usual section which is the movie vault no we to, won't to end game time <laughs> I don't. I. I think. I, 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 I think, think they're so bad they don't deserve. No. Like we. We should, as like all in unison as a society, we should all just pretend this didn't happen. Because the, the other thing that like I haven't mentioned that I wanted to talk about is the fact that Dakota Johnson and Jamie Dornan are two very good actors, and it's really weird that this is like the the big thing that both of them are sort of well-known for. Like, this is the first big thing that both of them were in, really. It's so bad. Like, Dakota Johnson's in um, the Suspiria remake, and that's, like, one of my favourite films. It's amazing. And she's in a film called Bad Times at the Al Royale, and that's really good. She's really good in that. Like, she's a good actress. And Jamie Dornan has been in... What was that? The Fall. The Fall. Thank you. He was in that and he's very good in that. And I think that it's just such a waste of very talented people. Like they probably got paid a lot for it. Like they probably were just like, this is just for money. Like this is fine. But like, it's just such a waste that it's so bad. Yeah. And they had to make three of these films with Rita Ora. Like Rita Ora now has one of the weirdest acting biographies I've ever seen because it includes all three Fifty Shades of Grey films and Detective Pikachu, like what an <laughs> absolute mood whiplash. That that is a narrative right there. Like it's the same character. She literally goes from like this universe. To... <laughs> but back to the movie vault stuff. Yeah, I think that like you shouldn't watch this. Like young girls shouldn't watch it. Nobody should like watch this. In like this is like aspirational at all and i don't think like i said earlier there's elements of you know something like jupiter ascending which is like fun because it's so bad like no it's not even that like i literally like we've many times i think like alex said earlier wasn't it like oh i can't remember when that happened because they're such bland movies at times they're just so unengaging and it just comes across as like bad american soap opera at times it's just the kind of like like oh no this has happened and this and it doesn't go into anything it's really boring 
I'm really sad that Danny Elfman was involved as well with the music. I'm like, I'm like, why did you do this, Danny Elfman? Why? There's that Beyonce song, Crazy in Love, that they like re-recorded and did like, it's, it sounds like a cover version, but it's actually Beyonce. Um, it's really good. And like, if you put it on something else, it would be like amazing because it's like this slow down, creepy like version. Mm. Like if they had it in a film, like The Invisible Man, yeah. like it would work perfectly because it like makes it sound like I'm in love with you, but you don't even know who I am. It sounds like stalkerish. It's really good. And then they put it on this and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, they're just shagging to that now. Lovely. <laughs> oh, they've ruined the- Beyonce for me. Yeah, because loads of people obviously cling themselves to the uh, Love Me Like You Do song. And I always remember when, because Craig had originally seen the first film, at least in the cinema, for some bizarre reason. And I was yeah, like, thanks oh, well. for that, David. <laughs> and I was like, what, did that at least have like a good, and he was just like, no, it's just playing like unceremoniously over a helicopter scene. And it's like, yeah, we just, you know. They're just but they do that in. to every single one of their main tracks. They- yeah. Sorry, Craig, you saw you saw the first one in the cinema. Can we talk about that, please? <laughs> yeah, like, it wasn't me on my own. I want to characterise this. I also <laughs> want to make it clear I didn't go on this as a date. It was a it was a group activity as, like, for my debating society at the time. We basically okay. went as a group bonding session. Uh, we found it concerning that I think the cinema were a win, literally put down plastic sheeting. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That genuinely did happen in various cinemas, I promise. Yeah, I feel like if there's going to be any film that should go in the film vault, could we just think of like the most innocent film we can and just put that in instead to spike yeah. Fifty Shades? Because if so, I want to put Elmo in Grouchland. Just... Yeah, to commemorate Rita Ora, you should put Detective Pikachu. Pikachu. <laughs> I think just we'll have this as a week where nothing goes in because it, it shouldn't be affiliated with this film and it should have its own time to, to shine. So nothing in the movie vault this week. Okay, end game time. So I thought about what incredibly Fifty Shades of Grey related game I could get the two of you to play, but then I realized that I, I'd like to maintain my retinas. So instead, what we're going to be playing is a game I like to call Fact or Fan Fiction. Obviously, uh, one of the things that we've briefly discussed about this film is the fact that it was originally fan fiction about the Twilight, uh, about the Twilight books. The Twilight books see, uh, seem to have produced what I can only describe as unimaginable amounts of fan fiction dedicated to it, many of which becomes published novels afterwards. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the title of a fan fiction published novel, and I would like you to tell me if you think its origins come from Twilight fan fiction or not. So for this, what I'll have you do is I'll have you have two different signs. One will like say Twilight, the other one say not Twilight, something like that, something to indicate your stance. And then I'll give you a title, give you five seconds to decide, and then on the and then at the count, reveal your answer. I've run out of space, so I've got Twiley. Okay, so that's that's the one sign. What about the other? No. Okay, that, that's fine. I can accept that. Not so, Twilight. Not Twilight. Yep. Twiglight. Twiglight. Cool. Twiglight. So we got Twiley and Twiglight. If we ever ended up naming our episodes, I think that's. A perfect way. <laughs> so, what I'd also point out is that some people may try and metagame this and think 
oh, because we've just had one, it'll be the other. My mind doesn't work like that at all. Genuinely go with your guts. I'm ready. I'm very excited. Number one. Transcendence. Five, four, three, two, one. Reveal. Interesting. So we've got one person for no, which is Lucy. One person for it is with Alex. Lucy. Yeah. You say it is not Twilight. I say it's not Twilight. Are you correct? So Alex is... I think this is unfair because Alex has read all the books. Oh, that'd be be amazing if that is genuinely what's happened. But wait, have you actually read it, Alex? I'm not sure. Maybe. 14-year-old me did a lot of questionable things. (laughs) Okay. uh, So for those... uh, I mean, I don't have the synopsis of all of these. All I can tell you is that this is a story about Neanderthals, but it does have its um, does have its origins in in Twilight writings. Wow! What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, for, some, for some reason, these Neanderthals have birth control somehow. Uh, that is a big contention for a lot of uh, fan readers. Okay. Number two, City of Bones. Five, oh. four, three, two, one. A questionable flip at the end there by mm. Alex. But you are both saying it is not Twilight. Are you correct? I know this one. It's an incest Harry Potter incest fanfic about uh, Ron and Ginny. Yep, that is uh, that is correct. Uh, there are also uh, there are also connections to Hermione and Draco of all things involved in it as well. Gross. Yeah. So I get extra points. I will consider. I'll, I'll write it down as a consideration. All right. Next up, Wallbanger. Five, four, three, two, one. Reveal. So again, we've got Lucy going for no. Alex going for yes. Alex. You are oh. correct. Yep, it's again one of those uh like sexual uh, sexual fantasy stories. The the book cover is literally just a guy a guy with his back to us uh plowing a woman. Um, wow. That's the only way I can describe it. That's very clear. I haven't read that one. <laughs> okay. Number 4. Gabriel's Inferno. Five, four, three, two, one. Reveal. You've both gone for not Twilight. Are you correct? It is. Uh, if I if I remembered the article, I got these off of correctly. I think this story started as like the Emancipation of Bella Swan, which sounds like a really bad script for like the eventual title of the Emancipation of One Harley Quinzel. So that's no points for that round. Next up, The Lunar Chronicles. Is that Twilight fanfiction? Five, four, three, two, one. Reveal. 
So we've got Lucy going for Twilight, Alex going for not Twilight. Lucy? No. Alex? Ah, I'm really bad at this. It sounds like a Harry Potter fanfic. I imagine it's something about Luna Lovegood. Oh, damn it. It's it's actually it's actually not. It's about <laughs> of all things, it's about Sleeping Beauty Cinderella Rapunzel. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm I mean I'm pretty sure that's what I read correctly. Just let me just double check. Yeah, yeah, it is. I thought it was about werewolves or something. Yeah, that's why I kind of chose it, because I thought it might put you on to the sort of uh, Jacob angle, but nope. It's not. Okay, ready for the next one? I feel like I've been bamboozled. <laughs> so my favorite. So my fa- uh This is my favorite title because it has my favorite. Wi- uh, it has one of my favorite words. Uh, beautiful bastard. Is beautiful bastard Twilight fan fiction or not? Five, four, three, two, one. Reveal. You've both gone for it's not. It is. <laughs> this is really what is hard. it? What is it about Edward Cullen that doesn't make you think he's a beautiful bastard? <laughs> That's the question you've got to ask yourself, guys. I don't know. I I just I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know anything. They mentioned about bastards so much in Game of Thrones. I was kind of thinking about that. <laughs> so. Next up, Sempra. Five, four, three. Two, one, reveal. You've both gone for not Twilight. What? What, <laughs> what is that one about? I don't know, but if you saw the cover, it's uh, it's got a load of blood. So, if you showed what? us the covers, it'd be a very different game. Yeah. yeah. I thought. I- yeah, what was your guys thinking on that? Because I think I had the same thought. But Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost as if I kind of chose these to be intentionally <laughs> different. <laughs> All right, next up. I apologize for the pronunciation of this one. Rhythm, chord, and malakin. Rhythm, chord, and malakin. Reveal in five, four, three. Two, one, reveal. You have both gone for Twilight. You are both. Yay! Hey. That was just a guess. I didn't have any reason. Yeah. Sounded like a vampire name. So, at this point of the game, uh, Alex has a lead, but it is not uncatchable uh, with five points to two. Next up, we have Surviving Rain. Is that Twilight or not Twilight? Like, Rain is in R-E-I-G-N or Rain is in... R-A-I-N-E. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Reveal. You have both gone for Twilight. Its original title was Surviving Bella. Kind of apt, I think, to be honest. Okay, next up. Mary Sue. Twilight or not Twilight? Five, four, three, two, one. Reveal. So we've got Lucy going for Twilight, 
Alex going for not Twilight. Lucy, you are? Uh... So Alex is... Alex, what is that one? I don't know. It just doesn't sound like a vampire name. Okay. I just thought, because a Mary Sue is like a self-insert character, isn't it? So I thought it, it is, was yep. somewhere... Because Bella's very, like, you could self-insert on Bella. I thought, I don't know. So it comes from Star Trek fan fiction, uh, where they created a character called Lieutenant Mary Sue, right. who literally could do anything. And it was like... It's like Spock was in love with her. She was immortal. She was a genius, took over the, the Starship Enterprise. Uh, she is where the term comes from because she was basically so overpowered that everybody used it. But yeah, it's not Twilight fanfiction. Yeah, because people often criticize Ray from Star Wars as being a Mary Sue. But So that's why I was thinking, is Bella really a Mary Sue considering how much she has to be rescued and stuff? This, this is true. Right. Okay, fair. Okay, next up. A beautiful lie. Twilight or not Twilight? Five, four, three, two, one. Reveal. Alex has gone for Twilight. Lucy's gone for not Twilight. Alex. It's Twilight. Oh, I feel like I might have read that one as well. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't have planned this. I mean, who reads this amount of fan fiction? <laughs> 14-year-old girls who live in rural Wales, that's who. Okay. See, this is my problem. I lived in quite a big town, so I'm being punished for that. And I no, don't you're not. You're being punished fair. with not having to have read all of this fan fiction. You lose this game, but you win the bigger picture. <laughs> Realistically true. Okay, so you know how earlier I said that Beautiful Bastard was my favourite title? Mm-hmm. I was wrong. It's actually this next one. Are we ready? Yeah. Pucked. I'm going to say that one more time and to definitely emphasize that I'm saying a P and not an F. Pucked. Five, four, three, two, one. Reveal. You've both gone for not Twilight. You are both. What What is that even about? I don't know. <laughs> Puck is like a character from Glee and also a Shakespeare play. I'm very I was thinking it was a Shakespeare fanfic, which I don't even know if that exists. I thought it was like ice hockey or something, like hockey puck or something. <laughs> yeah, like they can't just still keep it about vampires in most situations, otherwise they're going to get sued by Stephanie Myers. Yeah, and let's do a fanfic about just that kid in the background of the school. Or <laughs> What's the point to just do about any kid in a school? The final one after is after twilight fan fiction or not reveal in five four three two one reveal alex has gone for twilight lucy has gone for no alex you are lucy it's about harry styles it's a fan fiction about harry styles (laughs) and they've made a film of it on amazon and i can't believe it oh wow this is this is indeed correct it is it is One Direction Harry Styles fan fiction. So what I've decided as well, based on an earlier question, uh, I think Lucy has provided a lot of information about the uh, about the stories which are on Twilight. So I am awarding Lucy two bonus points. So the final scores at the I end was three of... behind. 
you'll understand why I've cruelly done this. Uh, Lucy has scored six, but the winner of the end game is Alex with seven. Uh. <laughs> Congratulations, Alex. How do you feel? I feel like I've just outed myself of having read a lot of Twilight fanfic in my youth. I'm not sure if that's actually something I wanted lots of people to know. <laughs> you could have thrown the rounds. I could have. But I'm too competitive for that. That's the thing. I think I'm just, like, too cool for things. Like, I was, I was like, as a teenager, I was busy, like, drinking on the streets and, like, going to house parties and stuff and, like, driving around in, like, older boys' cars. <laughs> so I didn't have time to read fan fiction. <laughs> you on Hab Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do any of those things. I did, yeah. I didn't do those things as a child. Don't do either. Yeah. Uh, so thank you guys for joining us today. It's uh, been a crazy one. We've uh, we've definitely had our share of uh, bad movies now for a while. <laughs> Hopefully Lucy won't challenge us to any more uh, soon. And and you've probably had a bigger share of bad films, including the bad rom coms, than good. So I think I think you should definitely bring on a good film next time, Lucy. Okay, I'll think about it. Room. It, 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 yeah, I was going to say, it'll be up for question if uh, Alex comes back on with uh, The Room. <laughs> but... The problem is The Room is good. Like, it's so bad. It's Oh, it's hilarious, yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys uh, for uh, joining us today. Uh, where can we catch you? Uh, Lucy, as you said about earlier, you're starting live streams on YouTube, etc. I'm on, I'm on YouTube. I do YouTube videos. I'm on TikTok because I'm a teenager that dances i don't even know like it's weird i have a laugh on tiktok though i just like film my thoughts lucy fair lucy fair queen i think that's like my handle on everything if you search lucy fair queen you'll find me i'm on instagram but i'm getting bored of instagram now i'm on twitter lucy fair queen on all of these things and but youtube is probably the main one or you can just like come to my house we'll have a cuppa (laughs) Like, if you want to find me, I'm quite easy to find. There's been clues, you know, you said you live, like, in a big town. I also like the the notion that people who live in, like, cities or big towns don't read fan fiction, but people in rural areas do. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't live in a small town. I don't live in a town anymore. I'm in a city. I've moved. Yeah. I grew up in a town. And then, Alex, anywhere you can catch yourself or... Oh, you don't want to. It's not worth it. <laughs> we might find the fan fiction. Oh, God. <laughs> catch. Uh, well, actually, somewhere you can catch Alex is in previous episodes where we uh, mention her as the designated horse friend and the tester of endgames. Uh, so, yeah. And the originator of the phrase, that's the bitch. <laughs> yeah. In the first, um, first endgame special. So... Yeah, thank you once again, guys. You can catch us also, Well Good Movies, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, begrudgingly maybe. (laughs) And uh, yeah, uh, you can also catch us on our website, which is freshtakehub.com slash wellgoodmovies. And please give us those ratings, those likes, leave a review. And uh, yeah, it all helps out with all the algorithms and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Anything else from yourself, Craig? Just just do something nice for somebody (laughs) in your life, guys. I think there's been enough negativity with Fifty Shades. Just if there's someone in your life you love, just tell them you love them and preferably don't force them into horrible contracts you then break against their will. Just don't tell me what to do. You're not my guy. It's all right. We'll just uh, sing Imagine on the piano. That might give us feel better. Imagine all. (laughs) Just to highlight what Alex just said as well. Yes, Alex did indeed, for literally no reason at all, send me a box of 45 caramel eggs. 
Much yeah, respect. You gotta, you gotta do nice things for people sometimes. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. I've eaten 44 of them so far. <laughs> spread, spread the joy. It's uh, it's never too early for Easter. And uh, yeah, keep doing those uh, good deeds, especially during, like I said, tough times like these. But thank you for joining us, guys. And uh, yeah, we hope to have some great content for you very soon. And we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye. Reprehensible. Reprehensible.